Welcome to the Cracked Pots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And our text for this week was Amos. Let justice roll down like an ever-flowing stream. It's a lovely text. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) it is. So, it's actually, it's one of my favorite texts in the Old Testament. Um, And Pastor Rebecca and I, before we hit record, we're having a conversation about whether or not this text is hard. And we determined it's that, straightforward. that the text itself <laughs> is pretty in your face. This is what I'm saying. Uh, there's not a whole lot of room for guessing or interpretation. Amos, as, mo- as is the case with many of the prophets, laid it out there bare. Yep. And so the text itself is easy. Um, getting to the text, preaching the text in... Uh, to, in November of 2021, um, in a polarized climate, is more challenging. challenging. Yes, that's a good word. Because every time uh, a pastor says the word justice, I think it's automatically linked to the word political. And or, or social justice issues. Or social justice. You're, you're, you're a social justice warrior or whatever. And those are somehow bad things. Um, to some. Yeah. And the reality is, and I I pointed this out this weekend, this past weekend, and it should be obvious, um, Amos is a book found in the Old Testament of the Christian Bible. Amos um, spoke to the political leaders of the time. Not even his political leaders. That's kind of what's um, kind of fun about this one is, is, is the leaders technically, because he's from Judah, which is down in the south, and he's right. speaking to the political leaders up in the north, right. which, you know, that so, goes so, over well. So maybe, you know, as preachers in the United States, it would be easier for us to preach um, about the injustices in Canada or Mexico or another country as opposed to, you know, sort of the, the where are our issues here? Yeah, the, the flip side of that is that, trust me, Judah and Israel both had their own homegrown yes. prophets. This just happens to be yes. one particular prophet yes. that crossed the, the border, so to speak. Um, lived Correct. on the border, lived yeah. um, just just south of, of the, the northern border of Judah into Israel, so it wasn't a huge thing. He also, kind of an, an interesting side note about Amos, um, is a shepherd. And so he has not, he, you know, Jeremiah was, was a priest and um, kind of was, was raised within the temple and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So he's sort of the, what we would call a pipeliner. <laughs> he was <laughs> um amos on the other hand's very second career yeah. um so pipe and- pipeliner for those who don't know pipeliner <laughs> is i went to i graduated high school i went to college i graduated college i went straight to oh I, and i didn't just go to like, college i went to usually a a lutheran college typically that that my my focus was I was going to become a pastor yeah. the moment I entered. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. some kind of There's a little variation in there, but but it's like yeah. literally out of college into seminary, no other career. 
as opposed to second career, graduate college, do some other stuff, get called into ministry, yeah. go to seminary, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, so he's a shepherd. You know, he's, he, he, he gets called out of his shepherding duties to go up north um, and tell him to <laughs> tell him to get their poop in a group. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so there's, there's some differences with each of the prophets. You know, as Pastor Rebecca pointed out, you know, Amos, you know, was a shepherd and, you know, not, not a priest, not, you know, just kind of, he was a shepherd. Also, he spoke not within his own kingdom, but within the northern kingdom, him being from the south. But of all of the prophets, there's, a, there's like a mixture. You know, you have prophets in the north, the south, and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, some were priests, some were, you know, whatever. The, but the one consistent thread with the prophets, their message was all pretty much the same. Yeah. Justice and righteousness. Yeah. Like, all of the prophets. Justice, righteousness, faithfulness to God. Yeah. Yeah, like I, those like, are all tied together. Yes, those those are the messages of the prophets. They all speak to different people. They all do. They all speak to. They don't all speak to the same person, um, but they're speaking to, into the same systems that are in place and offering the same basic warnings. A little bit of different ways of going about it. Um, but yeah. the the message, as we started this out, is clear. Like it, it's yeah, it's, it's clear. So, so the justice issues for Amos is kind of interesting. I mean, we just get a snippet when we're preaching. We just get the little, you know, and actually in this case, it was the snippet. It's like three different snippets yeah. um, that and, were jammed and, together. And Amos is not a long book. No, like, no. It's like only if you're six, like, seven chapters. Right. If you're like, like oh, you know, I wonder what's in Amos. Like you could pick up Amos, sit down and read it and not like waste, the, you know, spend a whole day doing it. You know, it's a, it's a short book. Yeah. It, it's... It, but if you kind of back up a little bit and look at the the overarching kind of things that Amos is talking about, a lot of what he gets into is, um, again, when he's saying justice, and we say, well, we don't know what that means. What, what, what kind of justice is he talking about? Well, he kind of lays it out earlier in the book um, of what he's he's talking about. Things like... Um, he, uh, one of the things is if someone gives you your, his sandals in order to have food, give him his sandals back. Um, if someone gives you the coat off his back by nighttime, give it back. Um, it's it, it's it, operating it, with compassion. Yeah, it, it's recognizing if somebody is giving you their sandals or their the coat, you know, the, basically the shirt, shirt off, their, off back, their back. Don't they take have, the shirt. They have nothing. <laughs> right. That's that that that's the the point. They have absolutely nothing, which means give them their nothing back. Um, because you taking it out of you know, it's like oh well, I gave them food or whatever, so they owe me something. And Amos is going, you know what? I don't care. I, I, I don't care if they owe you for that food. Give them back their stuff. I don't want them freezing to death at night because that's what's going to happen if you don't let them have their coat. Um, they're going to, you know, walk on bare feet, get infected, et cetera, et cetera, if you don't give them their shoes back. And it's just this is the level of, of again, we kind of talked about <clears throat> this last week about, how you don't um, profit off the poor. Yep. That you don't make it even harder for the poor to stop being poor. 
um, it, 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 basic necessities is is kind of the 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 message of Amos is you provide the basics for people. You let them, you give them food. Um, in the Old Testament, um, in like Deuteronomy, et cetera, if people, if you had land and you were growing things, you were supposed to leave a portion of that for the poor to just come eat. Yep. You were supposed to leave it unharvested so that they could come take it and and eat. So this was this there was just this understanding um, and it was written into Torah, it was Mosaic law, that that was part of how you took care of the poor, is you had food for them. They could, would come, they would get it themselves, and they would eat it, and you didn't harvest the whole thing so that you could make as much money as you possibly could off of it and let them starve. Yeah, it would almost be like our, at our soup kitchen that we operate um, taking the tires of someone's bike as payment for their meal. Right. Right? So you had they had to ride their bike here and you need to pay for your meal. So give us the tires of your bike. Well, what good is the bike? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just give us your whole bike, whatever it is. But I mean the, the point being, if someone's showing up to our soup kitchen, they they need food. Yeah. Like they need the meal. And we, and again to state the obvious, we don't charge uh, anything. No. And we don't even ask any questions. You show up, you're hungry, you get a meal. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't care what your life situation is. We right. don't care what... I mean, we care from the standpoint of... Um, For, there are so many of them I would actually like to help in their you know, situation if there was a... Right. There was a more systemic way in which we could help them. Let's put it that way. Um well, so, so that that's I, I think you you kind of stumbled on to the to the real point that Amos is making. This isn't about um, individual charity, right? It's not about individual charity. It's not about um, one shopkeeper keeping someone's coat. It's about a system that is in place that oppresses and continues to oppress the poor and the needy. Right. Like that's so. So I use the example of chocolate chip cookies. Because you love your chocolate chip cookies. I do. You, do you remember when they made you the cookie monster? The altar guild uh, made yeah, you the cookie yeah, monster. Yeah, it's still back there. <laughs> um, and, and it rings true, I will claim. I, I will say, though, um, famous Amos cookies are not my favorite chocolate chip cookies. They're okay, but they're not my favorite. Anyway, the point being, see, see what I did there? Famous Amos, Amos the Prophet, Amos chocolate chip cookie, famous Amos chocolate chip cookies. So we talked, we, it, we kind of stumbled upon this conversation um, around chocolate chip cookies and me having, it started on Saturday night as me having one cookie and then it kind of evolved and I don't really even remember where we got to. Um, so that, that cookie theme kind of carried through the other two worship services and then... <laughs> And then also carried over to discussion with our confirmation students. Um, and the so the conversation became, you know, how do we make sure that everyone has access to cookies? And we use the example, so if you are a woman, you can't have cookies. Like, men can have cookies, but women are not allowed to have cookies. Or... Uh, men can have a full cookie or women can only have a half a cookie. You know, how do we get to a point where we've leveled that play field systemically? So, I, I mean, because that, that's really where it's at. And I'm not, I don't, I don't discount 
or want to diminish individual charity or individuals doing charity or our soup kitchen or people who are. Well, well, you never change systems if individuals don't change. Right. So you got to start there. Yeah. And those things are critical. But the reality is what I really want to know, and I use a Desmond Tutu quote, um, you know, at some point we have to stop pulling people out of the river and go upstream and figure out how they got into the river to begin with. So at some point, you know, it's great that we're feeding people. Um, but it's causing the but problem. What is, right. What is causing, what is the issue that is causing people to be hungry? What is, what is causing people to not have the ability to, uh, and to, to provide be, for and, and to be fair, there's a variety of factors always at play with yes. any, any given person as to to why they are in the situation that they're in. And um, all of those and all of those things on some level are able to be treated systemically. Correct. So if the issue is so, let's use the stereotypes, right? Okay. So the stereotype homeless person is they have mental illness and and or are drug addicts or alcoholics. Like, again, that's the stereotype, the bum on the corner that's drunk and passed out or smoking crack on the corner. Or I mean, that's your, that, if, if you say, what does a homeless person look like? That's the picture that many, many people will draw. Can I, can I interject a very interesting t- statistic I read the other day? Sure. And unfortunately, I wasn't really prepared, um, so I don't have the, the source to quote it, to cite it. But um, I was reading that only 3% of homeless people globally were drug, drug addicts before they became homeless. Oh, that's interesting. I, I, I'm going to have to research that and find again where, where I read that and where I, where I found that. Now, I'm not talking about in the United States in particular, this globally. Globally. That um, only 3%, though, of people who are homeless started out with a drug problem. They got the drug problem once they became homeless right. because it was a way to numb the pain and it became easy because you then are in certain groups and, right. and it became yeah. much more, well, we've had people before who've come into our offices and said, look, I don't want to, I don't want to live out where all the homeless people are living because it's not safe, and it's I don't not get, safe yep. in terms of, of the drugs and, and everything else that's going on. And you know, that's, that's a really, that's a real challenge. So, sorry, not meaning to derail, but it was just one of those things that no, just I, occur, you know, it was like right. I thought that might be an interesting tidbit of information. Yeah, absolutely. To to understand that not, you know, the majority of homelessness is not caused because people have a drug problem and they run out of money and oh, suddenly they're homeless. It's usually they become homeless first. Yeah. And then the drug problems start, and then they have no way of getting out of it because now they're an addict and blah blah yeah. blah blah blah. Well, they're so. they're lazy and they don't want to get a job, or I mean, yeah. you know I mean, I mean, there's all of those all of those stereotypes, and this. So it's never as simple as it seems. In yeah. in in many cases, it's they had a job and lost it. Um, a a a partner died, um, and they were suddenly on one income and weren't able to sustain their healthcare bills, their housing, healthcare bills. Healthcare is a huge, huge reason um, that people end up in debt and bankruptcy and homelessness. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a myriad of, of, of factors that go into it. And at some point, if we're serious about it, you know, we could, we could end homelessness in this country. Oh, we, yeah. If we chose to, we could. Um, and we, and we pretend that we can't, and 
and part of the reason that that makes it really challenging is you know the the whole NIMBY thing not in my backyard um, I don't want a homeless shelter in my backyard I don't want I don't those want... people living near me and trashing my neighborhood right exactly yeah no um, this is why we live in gated communities to keep that out right right and so so in our community um, beautiful beautiful gorgeous you know, Palm City, Stewart, Martin County, Florida area. Um, it's an affluent community. I, I, I don't know what the data is in terms of, you know, median uh, income, median income anymore. I, at one point I knew that. I don't know how that compares, you know, nationally. Um, but we're, we're an affluent community. We have pockets in our, even in our community um, that are not affluent. Um, you know, extremely underserved. But we kind of pretend it's not there. So I was shocked. So you drive around here and you go, wow, this is a really nice place. You know, generally speaking, people drive nice cars. There are, I don't know the current number. Last number I heard were 430 kids in our uh, Martin County School District that are identified as homeless. Mm -hmm. 430 kids in, in, in Martin County identify as homeless. And that's only kids that are in the school system. So if they have, you know, a sibling who hasn't started school yet, that they don't get registered. They're, they're not counted in that number. Um, and when I first heard that number, I thought, that can't possibly be true. But it is. Mm -hmm. And it's sad. The reality is, in our community, especially, especially now, you know, where the housing market has, you know, kind of taken off, it's even more difficult for people to have affordable housing. So we're in a, in a position now where, you know, you go to a restaurant, you wait a little longer. Yeah. You go to um, your grocery stores, you go to, to other retailers. It's harder, it's harder to find people that can afford to work those jobs and live here. So I'm, I'm on the board of an organization called Family Promise. And Family Promise is a national organization that deals simply with homeless families. Families, I'm, I'm sorry, families experiencing homeless. So all the families are kind of vetted and drug screened and all of those things. They enter into the program and we work with them to try and, to try and get them housing. Typically, the way it works pre-COVID was you'd get three to four families, about 15 to 20 people, depending on the size of the Family Promise organization, the local, the local organization, and they will um, partner with churches to house families for a week at a time, and then they rotate to the next church. Essentially, the churches are providing the shelter and the food and all of those things for these families experiencing homelessness. Well, what we're seeing now is one, if we get a family in the shelter rotation model, which is the model that you're using churches as a home in the evenings for, for families, um, that instead of it being a 60-day program, which is typically a family's in, in, about, in and out in about 60 days, they come in, they are housed, we make sure they find jobs, we help them with their budgeting, we help them find housing, and we continue that care after the fact. But typically they're in the rotation, the shelter rotation, for about 60 days in this market in this climate that has jumped to um more like 
seven months to eight months because we can't get affordable housing um, for those folks. So Family Promise has had to kind of shift and adjust. And one of the things that we're doing currently, and it, it's sad, we're relocating, helping people relocate out of the state. Yeah. Because there are other parts of the country, and we've, we relo we've, we've relocated some families to South Carolina, some to Tennessee, um, where the, the cost of living, the housing market, and the job market are more in balance. So I can work 40 hours at you know, a job, and I can afford a small apartment. I mean, you work here in this community, one income, 40 hours a week. Um, if you don't have an education and you're working at, say, you know, re a retail job or McDonald's or you know, a restaurant job, something like that, you can't pay you can't pay your bills you can't pay your bills you can't afford the rent um in this community which we go okay well whatever well the reality is when you go out to eat i think you would like to have people back there making your food and you like to have people bringing you your food that's why you go out to eat i would think that you would want people you know to stock the shelves at your grocery stores and and stock your shelves at you know wherever else you're shopping, but it's really difficult in this climate to be able to afford to work at a place like that and pay your bills. Well, especially when you consider that it's supposed to your your rent or mortgage or whatever is only supposed to be what a third of your income. I think that's what they say. Um, and so I get paid much better than a a restaurant worker. And I can tell you right now, it would take almost half of my income just to pay for a one-bedroom apartment mm -hmm. at current prices in this area. Yep. It's like I, I, I wouldn't, I couldn't do it. I, I luckily, for whatever reason, decided to buy a home in 2019. <laughs> that has been my saving. Uh, great. Otherwise, yeah. I could not afford to live in this community. Right. Um, that's that's how bad it's gotten. Right. And and, and for those who don't know, single income. Single income. Single income. Um, so single income, I could not live in this community uh, if, if I did not already have a, a home that already was pretty established in what I pay for a mortgage now. There's some variation because property taxes have been skyrocketing. Property and, tax and insurance. And, insurance in yeah, Florida has not been fun. Insurance has, has played into that and, and made that difficult. But um, it... it but but I'm looking at, at what the the rental prices are, and I'm like I, I I couldn't I couldn't do it if I had continue if I had not bought before COVID, right. and was still renting, I would I, I would be seriously having to reconsider, um, my, you know, living here, my call here, et cetera, and going look I can't afford to live here anymore. And this is on a master's degree. Yeah. This now, is now granted, granted, ministry is not necessarily. Yeah. A, a, an area where you make nine times out of ten you're not going to become rich as a pastor. Right. But but let's be honest, it's not we're not like no. starving wages. It, right. Well, that that's my point is right. I make considerably more right. Right. than than a restaurant worker. Right. Exactly. And what my my point being is that even making a a decent what I consider a very decent income, it's 
it's hard. It's, it's not easy. So I'm, I'm looking at, okay, you take away probably, probably half of what I make. And I'm going to say a restaurant worker doesn't even, you know, I don't know. I haven't really done the math, but, well, I think, but let's, I think, let's say they make half of what I make each month. I mean, 50, 15 bucks an hour comes out to, I think, what, $30,000 a year. I yeah. Think. So, so it, let's just, for, for the sake of argument, say they make about half of, of what I make. And that means their entire paycheck goes to rent. Entire paycheck goes to rent. That means they have nothing left over to pay for food, to pay for um, uh, electric bills and any other, you know, gas, et cetera. I mean, it's just, that's, that's how crazy it's gotten. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is without kids. Throw in the cost of daycare, throw in the extra mouths to feed. And yeah, it, it is, it, it is, it is not, it's not, it, it's not a, it's not an easy climate to live in. Um, and, you know, ultimately, you know, it's a justice issue. Mm-hmm. It's a justice issue. Now we've had, we've had lots of discussion. So Florida last, I want to say last year, um, I think it was the last presidential election, you know, passed a, 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 a on the ballot, uh, $15 minimum wage, mm-hmm. um, effective 2026. Which by 2026, by, by 2026, it's, um, the, I mean, and, and we've had lots of, I've had lots of discussions about this with lots of people across lots of political spectrums. Um, yes, you can have conversations with people across political spectrums and I promise you it's good for you. Um, so I had a conversation with someone who, um, was not necessarily in favor of the $15 minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Um, and not because they don't want people to get paid, but logistically looking at it from a business standpoint. Small business. But, small business. Yeah. And I, I, so I'll, I'll out myself. I voted for the $15 minimum wage. Um, I then came back and looked at our, our church budget. And... Um, in looking in looking at our at our church budget, we have a preschool, mm-hmm. and, yep. and and I'm I'm ashamed to say this, we do not pay everybody fifteen dollars. Um, well, in, the, the the other problem comes in is once you raise everybody to fifteen, then what about the people that were correct. already making fifteen? Correct. Do you raise there. I mean, yep. so so you so you have yeah. to take you know the person that says making twelve dollars an hour, and, and in our case, you know, legally by twenty twenty six, we need to get them to fifteen. So you take them from 12 to 15, that's $3 an hour. Well, now the person who, who was making, you know, 15, 50 is like, well, wait a minute, I've been here for this many years and I'm doing a higher level job and I'm making 15, 50 and they just got here and they're making 15. Well, guess what? It all has to bump. Well, if you are a mega corporation and you are Amazon or you are Walmart and your CEO is making a gazillion dollars. I don't. That's a real number. A gazillion yeah. um, dollars. Because they make more money than I can fathom. And you frankly. can <laughs> right. I know. Um, they make more like in a minute than we make in a year. Um, again, not complaining about my wages. Um, the point being, if if I am the CEO making a gazillion dollars, I can say, you know what? I don't need to make a gazillion dollars. I can make half a gazillion dollars 
and I can still live really, really, really well. And I can provide for my employees. Like I can give them, you know, health insurance and, or, you know, a livable wage in a, in a small, in the small business world. So I, I wish, um, I wish that I could say, you know what, um, church council, um, I will take a reduction in my pay so that we can get, um, so that we can get all of our teachers to that livable wage. And, and I've, you know, I've, I've declined raises in the past, mm-hmm. um, deferred them, yep. um, because I, and it's not to say that I don't, I guess I, so I almost, I almost said something and, and I stopped myself. I almost said, do I, I don't, I don't need, do I, I almost said I need, do I need more money? Yeah. Well, clearly I don't like I I'm, you will survive. I will, I will survive. We, we have food, we have, you know, we can pay, we can pay our bills. Again, I'm blessed that I have a wife who, you know, has a part-time private practice and is, is faculty at uh, FIU. Um, so she brings in, you know, income as well, thankfully, um, which again, allows me a, a little bit of, um, but flexibility, when she didn't. but when she didn't, yeah, that, that you, you were struggling. It was hard. Yeah, yeah. It, it was hard. We were, we were, we were paycheck to paycheck family. Um, we're less of a paycheck to paycheck family, um, thankfully. But so, so I recognize, you know, being in that position where you're like, okay, so I get paid today. And man, I could just cover our bills. And then, oh crap, my car broke down. Or, you know, so you, you know, the, the monthly budget doesn't always account for um, the, the oil change. Um, it's like, well, I'll just, I'll, I won't. And the, I, I spent. The air conditioner that goes out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, all those fun things. So, 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 so there, there's systemic issues, but there's also. Um, I, I guess the point of that is that I'm sympathetic and ideal, idealistically, yes, I want everyone to make a livable wage. Um, and also looking at it realistically going, okay, so how in a small business world, and, and we're a nonprofit, but you know, in a small business world where we have a budget and we have teachers, we go, man, we need to pay them more. How do we get there? You know, how do we get there? And, and also recognize that, you know, we have to make sure we're taking care of our own families. Um, so I wish I could say, you know what, just instead of giving me a raise this year, um, why don't you reduce my salary by X in order? I mean, that's hard to do. That's hard to do, especially in, in this climate. So yeah. it, it's, it's, a, it's, so, so I, I recognize the challenges. I recognize the systemic challenges and yet, Scripture's really clear. Justice and righteousness. And, and, and I know that this, this gets people all, you know, uh, gets their blood pressure up. That's, that's probably the, the more PC way to say it. Gets their blood pressure up when we start talking about things like, like justice and righteousness and leveling the playing field, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we all know what that means. And, and so I, I that use... That means someone's got to be brought down. Right. So I use the example... We'll go back to chocolate chip cookies because it's easier to talk about chocolate chip cookies mm-hmm. than it is talk about like money, like money right? <laughs> so if I have you know, two chocolate chip cookies and Pastor Rebecca doesn't have any, there's, there's a couple ways to do this. Like I can give away all of my chocolate chip cookies and then there are no chocolate chip cookies and neither one of us have cookies, right? 
I can give one of my cookies to Pastor Rebecca, and then we each have a cookie. Or we can figure out how to make enough cookies to get Pastor Rebecca two cookies. I have two cookies, and we've now made cookies to get Pastor Rebecca two cookies, right? And I, I, I think you know, we probably prefer, um, in most cases, to figure out how to make those two extra cookies because I really like my cookies. And I certainly don't want to live in a world where I get no cookies. And I might be able to live in a world where I only get one. Well, and even if we were living in a world where it was just two, two to one, you know, two to none, one to one kind of, you know, ratio, and we're dealing more with a, a I, I have 20,000 cookies and you have none. <laughs> yeah. You have 20,000 <laughs> cases of cookies and I ain't I, got none. I, and, and, yeah. and I have none. I like and, it the other way. I have 20,000 cases of cookies <laughs> and you got none. Yeah. Um, and, you're right. And, and that's... And darn it, I worked hard for those, those cookies. Right. And... You know, that's, that's, here's, 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 here's the part that people miss though. I think the person who's, who's making, um, making minimum wage, they're working hard. Oh, you know I, I mean? have right? been a waitress. Yeah. Right. So, so you said, you know, I work hard for that money and, and, and the flip side of it, we went to college. Right. <laughs> and there's, and there's a, there's a flip side to that that says, oh, well, they're not working hard. Oh no, no. They're working hard. Oh, trust me. That, those... and, and as far as the, well, I went to college, so I didn't have to do that. We had we have the opportunity yes. that some people don't have. Exactly. That, well, that's my point. Right. Is, is that um, we were working those jobs and we were given the opportunity to go to college so that we didn't necessarily have to have that as our, one of our only options. Um, and so, of course, we took it. And said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to see if I can get a job that, you know, is more in line with what I like to do, what my um, skill set is, blah, blah, blah. Um, not that I was not a pretty awesome waitress and bartender. In fact, there have been many times I have thought about just going back to Tendon Bar because there is a ministry there, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I sometimes think I almost did better ministry as a bartender than I have done as a pastor, but that's another story. <laughs> People come tell you things, you know, yeah. it's just, they, they talk about stuff and, and it's just, it, and you develop relationships. I had my regulars, you know, it was, um, it, it, it was its own, it, it was its own thing, but you, you, because you have, have those opportunities, you take them. And are like, yeah, okay, I'm I'm able to do this, and I and I make it better. And it's not that I don't, it's not that I work less. It's that I enjoy it more. It, it I think is more. It's a different level of hard work. It's a different work. level right. of hard work. Um, and it, it it as I've always told people, you get paid for what society values. It's not how hard you work, because my mother and I go round and round on this. Mm. Um, my, my brother is extremely wealthy, and, and he makes a lot of money, and we'll go back and forth on things. And, and her argument always is, well, he works really hard. And I'm like, and I don't, apparently. <laughs> I don't, question mark. Uh, yeah, I, apparently I don't. Right. And, so that, and then she has to backpedal because she knows, no, no, I, I work really hard too. I said, the, the difference is, I said, society values. My brother does research and development for uh, 3M and, and their products and um, gets, gets 
and and he has a much higher level of education and he understands things like nanotechnology, which for me and what and I'm not saying spell it. Yeah, I'm not saying that isn't worth getting paid a heck of a lot more than and what I get paid. But at the same time, it's also what society values and says that is worth more. So your job is worth what society says it's worth. Yep. It's what the market bears. Yes. Yep. And yet at the same time, I guarantee you, everybody in Palm City, Florida, if all the restaurants were to shut down, would decide maybe those restaurants are worth a little bit more than they thought they were. Well, so it's funny. We talk about the, you know, the labor shortage is one of the hot button topics right now. And I've seen article after article after article of, and there was one locally, and I don't remember the restaurant, and I wish I did, that was having trouble getting, you know, getting employees. Uh, they raised their wages and suddenly that labor shortage was gone. Yep. It was gone. Yeah. Um, Wacky. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a CEO and I don't, he was a tech CEO. His name's Dan Price. Um, he's I, in I, Seattle. Yeah. I knew he was in Seattle and I, I don't, again, don't know the business, but he did something similar. He was like, listen. It has something to do with credit cards and stuff. I, I think know. so. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's in the financial realm somewhere. Yes. Yeah. And, and was, was the CEO making a maybe not a gazillion dollars, but just a lot of money. I was like, wait a minute. Like, do I need to make this much money? Can I make less money, pay my employees more? And shifted his whole model. Shifted his business model. Um, And it was more employee-centric, and I don't know if that's actually a He reduced his to what his, his lowest paid person was being paid, I think. I think he raised it to 70, and he said, I will take 70 as well. Something. Which in Seattle is is bare minimum of yeah. Seattle's you, expensive. Yeah, Seattle's extremely expensive. Whatever so. whatever he did, he he raised significantly the employee benefits and pay. Yeah. And what he saw was people wanted to work for him. The pro and, and <laughs> well and the productivity and yeah. the profit that he was making went through the roof. And they enjoyed working for him. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's suddenly yep. it's like oh hey someone values what I do. Yeah. Um, so I mean there's there's models out there that you can that you can pay your employees and not suffer um again and there were so many people who were like when he did it were were all like oh my gosh this is going to be such a failure it's going to blow up in his face blah 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 and they were kind of laughing at him yeah and what's it been now 10 years something Uh, it's been a while yeah it's been it's been several years and he's like hey my business is booming and you know honestly we survived COVID just fine. Yeah. You know, we, there were there were places they had to buckle their, you know, they, they had to tighten yeah. up and, and whatever, and, and they had to make some sacrifices. But um, overall, he's like, we didn't have to lay people off. We didn't have to do any of that. And it was it was actually a, a model that um, bore the brunt of the pandemic. And so, you know, there's maybe something to think about there when you're paying your CEOs millions and millions of dollars um, and your worker on the floor is making $10 an hour and is yeah. being subsidized, subsidized by welfare and snap and, and yeah. things like that because they can't afford the basic necessities anymore. Yeah. So yeah, that becomes kind of the, the issue, but yeah, so so Amos um, and the prophets. Part of why I think um, we don't like talking about the prophets, we don't like preaching the prophets, 
It isn't because their message isn't clear. It's because their message is a hard one to hear. And it's, and, and well, I should say it's a hard one to hear depending on where you are socially located. That's true. That's um, true. It's all about, yeah. it's, all, it's all relative, right? Yes. So you're the person who's having their, their sandals and their coat taken. You're cheering Amos on and yep. you're going, yeah, say it, <laughs> you know, speak the truth. Um, you're socially located someplace where you're the one taking the, um, the coat, yeah. the sandals, whatever. And maybe you don't like what Amos has to say quite so much. So, so, so here's a question. Why are we rambling on about the prophets and righteousness and justice? So here's part of it is because it's in the, it's in our scripture. It's in our scripture. And you say, well, there's other things in our, okay. Here from, from our, from our baptism, right? Mm -hmm. From our baptism. Um, you have made public profession of your faith. You intend to continue in the covenant, the covenant mm -hmm. God made with you in holy baptism. So this is the covenant. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. To live among God's faithful people. Okay. Check. To hear the word of God and share in the Lord's Supper. Check. So come to church, take communion. To proclaim the good news of God in Christ through word and deed. So, you know, be a reflection of Christ in what you say and what you do. Um, to serve all people following the example of Jesus. Try, you know, what would Jesus do? Again, that's kind of hokey, but again. But it's true. But it's true. Tr try, try and emulate Christ. And then the last one on here, to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. Justice is part of our baptismal covenant. Justice is part of our baptismal covenant we make with God when we baptize. It's part of that covenant. And I know it's hard. And none of that's easy, right? Let's be honest. None of the stuff in our baptismal covenant is easy. No. It's all hard stuff. It, it's, well, let, let's face it. On the one hand, we always say, you know, following Jesus is easy. And on the other hand, following Jesus is really hard. Um, if you, especially if you consider the fact that Jesus was the embodiment, the walking, talking embodiment of Torah, God's law. Yep. I mean, of of the way in which God wanted humanity to live. And he gave the Torah to the people because he was like, this is what I want from you. This is how I want you to live as a society. We didn't do so well with that. Yeah. Um, we kind of liked other, we went after other things. Um, and so Jesus came down as the walking, talking embodiment of him, of, of, of Torah, and what did we do with it? on the cross. Yeah, we killed it. <laughs> we still said, we don't want it. <laughs> and um, by we, I mean everybody. I, this, is, this is not, you know, this, this is humanity. Humanity does not want this. And we have proven it time and time again that, you know, this is not a, oh, well, this group of people didn't get it, but oh, hey, we get it. We want the salvation-y part. Yeah, we, we love the salvation-y part. But... And, and that's awesome. Like, like, I don't want to diminish no. uh, salvation theology and, and, and that and the sacrifice that Christ made on, on, on our behalf. I mean, that's... Right. There's, there, and, and I don't think you have to. It's one of those, I don't think we have to do that. I don't think it's an either-or. It's a both-and. Um, it's, yes, Jesus died for you. And Jesus died for your sins, and he died for all the reasons that he was on that cross. Um, and 
part of it is us recognizing why he was on that cross to begin with. And, you know, Luther always said there, there's, there's two uses of the law, and one of them is to confront us and convict us. Um, one, one is to protect and preserve life. That's why we have the law. But the other is to confront us and convict us. And, and anytime we look at the cross, it should be both. We should both feel um, gratitude, joy, etc., and also be extremely convicted about why the cross was necessary in the first place and why it happened. The rea- and the reality is nobody wants to be convicted, right? No. Nobody wants to be convicted. Nobody wants to be called out. That's why the prophets weren't popular. It's why, you know, preaching... No, nobody sort of- wants to be told, You're, you, you shouldn't be doing that. Right. And we all have a, a human instinct uh, to hide, so to speak. It's like what Adam did when, when God called him out mm-hmm. in the Garden of Eden. I mean, that's how far back this goes, is you, you kind of try to hide. And you don't like it. And then you start making excuses. And then you start, I mean, you know, it's, it's the whole thing. Um, because we don't. We don't like being called out. We don't like being shown sometimes that, that what we've done is not right. Um, especially when we're striving. We're really striving hard to do what's right. And then recognizing still, even in the midst of that, we screw it up. And, and we mess it up. And, you know, I think that has always been the biggest struggle I have had as a Christian on the one hand is I am not a proponent of, of cheap grace of, um, the, the whole notion of I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I mean, and on the one hand I am, you know, it's this, this is, this is always the tension, um, of, well, what are we called to do as Christians? Well, on the one hand, we're called to do everything and nothing. That's the paradox of Christianity. So, So I don't, so I, I want, to, I want to check the wording on that. Yeah. So I, I don't know that we're called to do nothing. We're required, right? Okay, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. we're called to do things. We're called to do things. We're just we're, not required. They're not required for our salvation. Well, it's, it's the it's, Luther it's, servant, servant to, to yeah. none and um, servant to all, yeah. all at the same time, yeah. um, where it's, it's, it's we are called to be servants, yeah. and yet we are not... It, it, that is not, our salvation does not hinge upon yes. that at the yes, same yes, yes. time. It's, are you a follower of Jesus? If you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? You're going to do what Jesus does. Now you're not going to do it perfectly because we're imperfect humans, yeah. but you are still going to try to walk on the path you should, that Jesus so, walked. And the things that were important to Jesus need to be important to us. Now, are we going to execute it perfectly? No. So I'm going to, I'm going to butcher I'm going to butcher this, but I'm, I'm confident that you can like make dinner out of it, so to speak. <laughs> what's, what's the scripture about being dimly lit, seeing dimly lit? Um, well, that's the, no, you're talking about um, first Corinthians, the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. What we see in the mirror dimly. Yes. For we see, for we see now in the mirror dimly. Right. Yeah. So off, off of that scripture, we, when we look in the mirror, we should at least dimly see a reflection of Christ, right. right? Now, do we have to look in the mirror and see, okay, that's unrealistic, right? Like, like it's unrealistic for me to look in the mirror and go, yeah, I reflect Christ. Well, and to understand what a mirror was back in, in 2,000 years ago, a mirror was not the mirror we have now. <laughs> our, our mirrors are pretty clear and pretty, and pretty good reflections. Yeah. Um, they were typically using basins of water, 
which, you know, yeah. that kind of reflection, or they were using polished silver, something along those lines. They weren't using the 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 very reflective, I don't even what we use for mirrors, um, to be know. quite honest, but whatever we use for a mirror, that was not the material they had right. at the time. So for them, a, a reflection was a, a poor representation, but it, right. it was a representation, right. but it was definitely not one for one. Right. It was so there were we, ripples, we quote, there were distortions, the yep. yeah. 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 So when we look in the mirror now, there should be a at least a dim reflection of Christ in what we do and how we act and what we say. Does that mean that we're going to be that true 100% reflection? No. I, I wish. Oh my God, I wish. Mm -hmm. But we should. There should at least be a dim reflection. Yeah. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Well, and, um, you know, this kind of gets back also to sort of that image of God thing. You know, what does it mean to be in the image of God and recognizing that, in, again, in the ancient world, to be in the image of something usually meant you had your image plastered on something, a coin, a statue, whatever. So you were you were a you were a reflection of, but guess what? You were not actually that thing. So yeah. we are a reflection of God. We are not God, right. and and I think that's a very important distinction to remember that we are not God. Therefore, we are imperfect. We have our flaws, and that's very important. And yet, God continues to call us into what is important to Him to live in a way that. We can flourish, not be perfect, but that things can be good yeah. and that things can flourish and, and not, life can flourish. And not just for us, we. Yes, like, that's oh, what I mean. As right, a society, the, the, the society flourishes and everybody in society flourishes. Not that there's a yeah. seedy underside that we try to cover up and pretend doesn't exist. Yeah. And so I, 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 I'm, I'm wired weird and I get that. <laughs> um, in, you in, said it. I didn't. <laughs> in, in in a lot of ways. So you know, as as we're having this, as you know, as we're kind of working our way through this this podcast, um, I, I think it also I also am mindful of of the generosity. Like like so yes. so you, you you preach you preach these messages, and you know uh, we have a, a an infinite or a finite time that we're allowed to preach so to speak before we like, 12 to 15 minutes man max like are you done here it's at the times we run like 17 20 minutes yeah. it is it is yeah we, um, get, we get the we get the glare yeah so i i think you also have to point out you know the we're, we're blessed with a very generous congregation absolutely um we fund a soup kitchen that works that operates every single sunday mm -hmm. um we get so we get some, some community support from organizations like house of hope and thank you so much um but we 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 fund a soup kitchen, you know. We give to the Salvation Army, you know. We um, we you know help with the Real Life Children's Ranch. We uh, through our endowment fund just you know yesterday you know kind of divvied up over thirteen thousand dollars to hand out you know to 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 organizations in the community. Um, so it's it's not a lack of generosity. It's not that we're not doing anything. And yet the way I'm wired, I'm like, but man, we could do so much more. 
And I think that goes, I'm like, why am I like that? Come on, seriously. No, but I'm, think, I'm that way too. So I think your, part your of weird it, wiring is my weird wiring. Well, it's good. like, look what we, look what we accomplished. I know we can do better. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I played, I played baseball. Yeah. So, and I was, you know, in, in playing baseball, you know, I was, I was pretty good. And yet, you know, if you're familiar with baseball at all, if you have 10 at bats and you get three hits, you're, and you do it for long enough, you're going to be in the hall of fame. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, so failure is part of baseball, it just is. And it's hard to deal with. And I remember, you know, so one year in our American Legion season, you know, I don't remember the, I hit almost 500 and every game, it was those two at bats. I didn't get a hit or that one at bat. I didn't get a hit. And I was just mad. I was just mad. So I think I'm, it's partially how I'm wired. So I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, we've done the soup. It's great. We've done this. Oh yeah. And can we do this? Can we do this? Can we just, I think one place where, where. And the flip side also being you are enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I think not in the baseball sense, but in a, <laughs> in a, in a, in a Holy spiritual it's, sense, in yes, a God sense. You yes. are enough. And, yeah. and I, I just, it's, it's, it's a, there are many paradoxes. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And I think, so I think most congregations are really good at, you know, the, 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 the financial part of it, um, you know, overall. I think this is where congregations really lack um, and churches really lack. It's that systemic piece of it. We just don't know what to do systemically. To help. To help. And I think part of it is because, you know, then sorry, it does get into the political, right? So it involves advocacy work and things like that. And, and then people start getting a little jumpy and nervous because now you're, you right. know, you're getting into the political realm. Yep. And it's hard and it's hard. And I, and I, and I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that. Good. All right. Well, that, I think that's it for Amos. Um, we get to talk Isaiah next, next time. Mm -hmm. um, a light shining in the darkness. Ooh. Yeah. Those who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Wonder what Isaiah's talking about. I don't know. I don't know. Guess you'll have to tune in next week. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye.